0: friends, before I begin, shall we bow our heads in prayer? Dear Lord, majestic indeed is your name, far above the heavens. And we ask, Lord, that your word come and dwell in our hearts. Teach us this day your will and your way and guide us in the truth everlasting. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts, O Lord, be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. I've titled today, Sharing the Word of God Became Flesh. Uh, It is God's dwelling place. Last uh, weekend, when the youth were down at Youthquake, uh, President Jaya actually spent that whole period uh, talking to them about the book of John. And in the book of John, there is this particular verse at the beginning that says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of men. Light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Or in the newer version of the 2011 uh, NIV Bible, it says, the darkness has not overcome it. Now, many of our youths, if you go around, uh, particularly those who are attending youth, if you ask them, can you, can you recite to me John chapter 1, verse 1 to 5, they will parrot this out. And it's, it's worth understanding uh, in the sense that they are, uh, they, in fact, almost all of them have made a commitment ever since that camp that every night they would read one chapter of the Bible, beginning with the book of John. And so it's a good thing, and I encourage them uh, to do this. Now, why are they going about doing this? Now, verse 1 to 5, it begins with this summary statement that the word is the Logos. And the logos is that term in the Greek, logos, which is not just word, but the reason, the mind, the rationale, the will, the determining, the determining function uh, that drives all things. Now, uh, science would generally tend to indicate to you that they can explain a lot of other things. Yes, that may be the case. It may explain how things occur, but it doesn't necessarily explain why. And the Logos is that one thing which is the driving reason as to why uh, these things happen. The text in itself uh, starts with this particular uh, statement. Through Him, all things were made. Now, let me just read that again. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Is a triple statement to say that the Word, the Logos, which eventually we will come to identify in the book of John as Jesus Christ, He was in the beginning. In other words, He was there before all things. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made through Him. Now, when we look at the Genesis, it always, begin, it always uh, starts with in beginning, God created, the heavens and the earth. And then you see a multiple series of statements that says, let there be, and it was so. Let there be light, and it was so. Let the firmaments be divided. Uh, let, let there be things that crawl on the earth. So it always begins with a command, a word, a word that goes out, and it was so. So through him, all things were made. And the next statement comes, without him, nothing was made that has been made. It it all reiterates this point that Jesus who was there in the beginning, who is the Logos, the reason, the power, the very word and the logic that makes things, the reality that drives all things, was there with God and is God in a community with God, in a oneness with God right from the beginning. Without him, nothing has made. Uh, nothing was made that has been made, and in him was life. That life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome, or understood it. John begins this uh, gospel of John, where he talks about the coming of Christ and the promise of Christ, by making this first initial statement that Jesus, the Logos. Is God. He was there right from the beginning. He is with God, co eternal, co equal, and co permanent. Okay? Uh, Trinitarian statements, in a way, that He was there right from the beginning. Now, this is to dispute some doctrines. Now, some people will come and say, oh, God the Father came first. Later on, God the Son came. Then they swap around, and after that comes Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit. Uh, We don't particularly believe in this because in the scriptural statement that we have, the Logos was there right at the beginning. So uh, even in the Genesis statement when we say, God the Father, God the Word, and God the Spirit, which was hovering over the waters, that presence of God was always there right from the beginning. So we would dispute anyone who comes to say that, okay, God the Father Uh, He came and did all this stuff. Uh, Then later on, uh, uh, God came and Jesus now is the same, now in the form of Jesus. Doctrinally, not true, not sound. But here's a statement that we need to understand, that Christ came as the Word of God, the very reason and the very logos, and yet the darkness, the world, uh, did not understand it, could not overcome it. There is this general idea that God, His will and His mind came to the earth and yet people could not comprehend it and many were opposed and trying to overcome it. John goes on to make this uh, particular statement that Jesus is the true light. In verse 9 he says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not recognise him. I don't know how many of you uh, actually like caving. Uh, When I was younger, I actually enjoyed caving, uh, particularly when I was slimmer and smaller, and I could fit into holes. And uh, I first started caving when the Malaysian Nature Society actually organised an outing. Uh, took us to Batu Caves. But uh, do you know that the Batu Cave systems at the back there, they actually have quite a number of uh, unexplored caves. So you go in there and you crawl into many of these holes. There's all this uh, mud, water, guano, okay, bad guano. It uh, can be quite smelly. Okay? But you go in there and you're exploring uh, different parts. But one of the things that happens when you're going caving is you're in total darkness, and uh, there's no Wi-Fi signal, no data signal. And after a while of walking around, you begin to forget about some of the things that are in the world. Until you come to a point where you see a tunnel, and you approach it, and you see this light. And it kind of opens up into a view like this. One of the caves, uh, in fact, one of, Malaysia has some of the largest cave systems, you know, Nya Caves, Mulu Caves. Uh, and one of the experiences we have, uh, Gua and Nia Caves and Mulu Caves, is you go to many parts, you go underground and you can disappear for a while, but at some point, you will come out. And when you come out into the light, you begin to blink a little bit, you might not be able to focus for a while, but you begin to see all the colour that was. Because when you were underground in the tunnel, you can't see anything. Even with your very strong strobe LED light or so forth, um, it's everything is muted and the colors are very muted. But when you come out into the light, you begin to see things for what they truly begin to be. Now, why does uh, John give this particular image? The true light that gives light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. In a way, it's almost like living in a black and white world underground in a tunnel. But when Christ comes, the true light that reveals what is the purpose of God and what is intended now begins to show things for what they truly are. I have a friend who's a, who's a bit of a fashion designer, and she told me, uh, Why didn't you try this on? I said, Okay, we tried something on, and she said, Come out and let's have a look. Uh, Then I said, okay, I'm out in the light. Then she began to switch on more lights. And not only was she switching on particular lights, she was switching on yellow light and also warm light. I said, what's wrong with the fluorescent white light? He says, oh, that's uh, not true light. You need warm colours in order to see what the colour looks like. So what you wear and what you see and what you perceive is determined by the light which you shine upon it. Christians in particular, those who are followers of Christ, do not look at this world in the light of how the world views things. In the light of how the world views things, we tend to look at black and white numbers. You know, when I worked in my corporation, they always said, it's always dollars and cents. If it's profitable, great. If it's not, forget it. And one of the people I met who was quite senior in their management Uh, When he became a Christian, they asked him, what is the big difference between being a Christian now and not being a Christian last time? You're still a captain of industry, but what's the difference now that you're a Christian? And his answer was, decision-making very slow. I said, why? He said, because now as a Christian, I always have to ask the question, what would Jesus do? And what Jesus does is always harder. Because before that, it's always about money. As long as I make money, as long as it's profitable and the company proceeds to make a profit and I get my big fat bonus, I decide accordingly. But now, I have to decide. Even if I make money, but it corrupts my soul, it makes my employees work harder and sacrifice their children on the altar of the workplace. Then I have to say, it's different. That's what I mean when you see true light. Because now the person views the world not according to the lenses of this world, but he views the world according to the lenses which Christ Jesus gives to him. Because Christ Jesus came and lived a particular life in a particular way with God's will and understanding. And so when we see how Jesus lived his life, then we begin to see what true life is all about. That life is not about the here and now based on what you see. Because we live by faith, not by sight. Life is lived in spite of the cross with a perspective beyond the cross, beyond death. We begin to see what true colour is all about and what true life is all about. We begin to walk out of that tunnel. Again, there is a warning that John gives in his Gospel. He says the light came into the world, this world which he made. Okay? He began in, in verses 1 to 5. He says, uh, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made. And although he came to the world that he made, the world didn't recognize him, right? did not receive him, and his own did not receive him. So he came to the Jewish people, his own people, the chosen people of God, but his own people, did not receive him. Not only that, he then says to all who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, born of God. Now, I I find this statement rather astounding. And the title there says that the true light was coming into the world to make us His, to be children born of God, not by human birth or human will or flesh and blood, but to be born of the Spirit of God. Today, by God's grace, we are seeing and witnessing baptisms, reaffirmations of faith, confirmations, people who have decided to receive Him and to believe in His name. And to them is given this gift, this gift that they are to be born of God, called children of God. Now that's an astounding thing. Not only is the light coming to make us see properly now, he's also making us like him, making him children of God. How does that affect you? When you have a God who says, I'm coming and I'm descending from my throne up on high, coming into this earth to give you light to see, but not only that, I'm adopting you. That when you believe and receive me, you are now a child of God. Now, this has always been staggering for me and also has been astounding for every young person and old person. Because in all the issues that we have dealt with with counselling, we all these few people say, "My boss thinks I'm a I'm Bodo. Okay, uh, I am being ridiculed everywhere. People think I'm foolish. Uh, I do all these weird things." Then I said, "Do you believe all these things?" Then he said, "Well, yeah. If everybody keeps saying the same thing, maybe I need to believe in that." Then I said, "Do you believe that you are a child of God? Do you believe that when you believe in Jesus Christ?" He has called you His child and He has given His life for you, that you are that precious to Him. Then they begin to see with a different light. They begin to see not according to the world, but according to how God has loved them and has received them. Do you see yourself in that light? If everything were to be taken away from you, I mean, I've been asked this question before as well, I mean, if anything happens to Pastor Gowrie, myself, or anyone who professes Christ as Lord, the one thing that they cannot take away from us unless we ourselves give it up is the inheritance that we have where we call ourselves children of God. No one can take it away from you. Only you can renounce it yourself. We call that apostasy. They can take your dignity away, they can take all that you have, they can take your family away from you, but they cannot take away the fact that you are a child of God. They cannot take away from you the fact that by faith, we know that all that was lost in this life, we will gain back and many times more. That is the light by which we live. Which light do you live by? Do you live by that? My third point for this Sunday morning is this statement. I like it. It comes from the uh, message version, if I'm not mistaken, or the NLT version. It's a dynamic translation. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighbourhood. He moved into the neighbourhood. Our NIV version will put it and dwelt among us. I think those who are more familiar with our own culture realise this better. It's almost as if he moved next door. He's in this taman. He's in our kampung. He's in our city. How does it affect you, brothers and sisters, that the most powerful being in the world, the one who was there at the beginning, the one who created the entire world and who essentially made all things, became... Part of the created world, he became human himself. It kind of makes you rethink what is important. Many of our movies and many of our cultures now time aspire to be heroes. You talk to any of the kids; they'll be talking about Spider-Man right now, or. Iron Man or Superman or Batman or whichever man or woman. Wonder Woman maybe if you want to go into that genre as well. We want to aspire to be something more than we are. Superhuman. In fact, many would like to be God. But now we have a story and a narrative that says God, the most supreme being, the very one that we identify as the author of reality, he has come in to be human. Not only human, but the weakest thing of all, a baby. A baby who's dependent on a mother, a baby who's dependent on a father, a baby who's dependent not just on two parents, but very poor parents. How does it affect our thinking? Because for us, greatness means I have a big house, I have a big car, I have big everything. I have all that I need and I have all the comforts and I create all the walls that I want to. But here's a God who gives us true light and shows us a different way and He says being human is all right. Being broken, hungry, poor, born into a marginalised family is okay. And that He can make greatness out of this But one of the most staggering things about this, when we say that the Word became flesh and moved into the neighbourhood, is that man is God's dwelling place. A.W. Tozer had this, uh, had this statement, man, God's dwelling place. And I'm not saying, you know, I mean, he's not making a sexist statement that is only man, no. Man as in humanity, mankind, male, female. In Galatians, that statement it says, you know, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, male nor female, master or servant. The dividing wall has been taken away. What is this dividing wall? The dividing wall has been taken away to reflect that God inhabits all. He inhabits all these people. He inhabits you. You who receive Him, you who believe in Him, you who begin to see according to His light, the true light, not according to the light of this world. And the statement there is this statement of glory. Verse 14, The Word became flesh, made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now let me ask you then, so what? What now do we do out of this? I'd like to present you three challenges before Christmas comes and the season of Christmastide uh, ends. Enough notice for you to say January 1st when you start making all those I don't know what you want to call it. Yesterday, our young adults were saying, we call it New Year's resolutions. And no one said, no, 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 don't call it resolution. Sounds very serious. Let's call it an aspiration. (laughs) Because in three days, it might be broken. (laughs) Broken aspirations, okay. Broken resolutions, too common. But what I'm trying to say is, by the 1st of January, would you have this in place? That you, even in the same way that our youths have been challenged to read, one chapter of the Bible every day, would you put the Word of God in your heart and let it shine in your darkness? Read it. And not only that, be read by it. Now, amongst the leaders, I've made this discussion and we are embarking on this particular plan that for the whole of next year, 365 days, we are going to read through the entire New Testament but not only read through the entire New Testament, but certain portions of the Old Testament that are linked to it. And we're going to do this two two ways, in fact, three ways. One is you can use uh, an app on your phone. It runs both on uh, iOS and Android. It's free, the U version app. Or you can get the hard copy, in which case we will print that every two months or three months. So if you want a hard copy, pick it up before the year end. Or the third way is you go online onto the website and there's a website uh, called ownit365. We're doing the NT reading plan plus, NT plus reading plan. Now the plan works this way. You read one chapter a day, Monday to Saturday. And then on the seventh day, rest. Give you all a break. It's rest because you're supposed to come to church and, you know, hear the scriptures over the pulpit. So Monday to Saturday, one chapter a day, beginning with the book of John, and we end probably at the end of the year. But in order to start this well, we are going to start on the 31st. Because the 31st is a Monday. And so you start on the 31st, and it's quite quite, uh, biblical. The Hebrews actually, it begins the day before. Now, I have a little video clip. I'm going to ask my dear sister Roshni uh, to pull that up. Uh, This is the the plan that we are proposing to use. It's called Own 8365.
1: Listen. Can you hear the words being written? Attention in the verbs. The art in the structure? Can you feel the love? The pain? The chaos between every line? Can you imagine for a moment? the lives compiled into one book spanning centuries. What wisdom to glean, what beauty to glimpse. When you read it, does it read you? When you approach it, does it approach you with open arms, beckoning you to come closer? What does an ancient library of poems, letters, and stories have to say in a modern world of contradictions and confusion? What is the hope behind the mystery? What is your part in the story? Layered in a past full of color is a picture of a future full of hope. Hope, this driving force of the universe, this good news that is for everyone. The kind of hope you can trust, the kind of hope that doesn't disappoint. Hope that pulls us up out of our depravity and into a shining future full of life and love and joy. This, this is the mystery. Beauty, wonder locked up just below the surface, awaiting you to lay hold. Open up and dive in.
0: So friends, that's the name of the site, Own It 365. And we're going to go through the NT Plus plan, New Testament uh, Plus plan uh, for 365 days next year. We will journey through it together. Now, it's going to be a church-wide thing because what's going to happen also is that on Sundays when we preach, we will be preaching according to that particular plan. We're taking what is being covered there and for parents, uh, this Own It 365 plan, the you Version app, it actually tells you this is what you can do with your children, uh, the, the verses that you cover when you talk with your family. So parents, I'm asking you to step up to the plate uh, to talk to your children. Now, I have found that when you do a Bible reading, and we, we seriously say this, huh, if you want to be a disciple, a disciple needs to know what is the Word of God and you want to receive it and implant it in you. So we do this together. I've found that when we do a reading plan, most people fall by the wayside, mainly because they're doing this alone. Right? So I want to remind you that even as you receive and believe and take up your right as a child of God, born of God, that as you come into a family of God, that when you do this reading plan, you do it together with two other people. Right. So in your in your U version app, right, it's actually possible to actually say, I'm inviting this person to be my friend. They can see what I'm doing. Right? And it tells you whether they've done it, whether they put any notes on it, whether they've remarked on it. And this is what we're gonna try and do next year. Uh, you just put your hands up with me. Three, two, one. Right. Three people. Right? coming together for two hours, once a month. I'm inviting you to go on to spiritual relationships where three friends who are going through this reading plan together come together for two hours, once a month. They have coffee, they have tea, but they talk about what God has been doing in their lives and what have they learned from the scriptures. I'm inviting you to go deeper into a journey of relationship and accountability with each other. Now give it some thought. Today is the 23rd. There are still seven more days before the end of the year. So I'm giving you these seven days to find two other persons that you want to partner with and you want to do this Bible reading together. Lastly, This is a reminder from John that God inhabits you as His dwelling place. He lives in you and therefore we are called to live accordingly uh, as to how the Spirit lives in us uh, to glorify Him in all that you do. Let me end with this last uh, picture that we had here. If I can get that back up. Uh, The last one. Yep. I showed the children just now about how the fact that the balloon basically uh, doesn't explode when you actually have that water in them. Uh, The water has always been one of the symbols which we look at in terms of the power of the Holy Spirit. We do this with the power of the Holy Spirit who then guides us. Now imagine what would happen if we believe and we know that God is working and He's always working Mm -hmm. in us. What would happen if through every moment that we're reading the Scriptures, we find that God is putting in us this Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to withstand the testing and the fire that comes, the temptations that come, that help us to resist uh, that which goes. And the Word gives you guidance even before it happens the week ahead. So let me issue this challenge to you now before the year end. Will you make a commitment to read a chapter of the Bible every year? Now, if you decide you don't want to use this plan and you want to use your own plan, that's fine. But overall, we're encouraging everybody in the church to apply this because we're travelling through this together. And may this Word uh, fill you and inspire you. Let us pray. Dear Lord, in the same way that you have affirmed our brothers and sisters, Lord, who were baptized into the kingdom and received into our church, we come to you, Lord, asking that you dwell amongst us, Lord, that you be tabernacle with us, that you be that living water in us that helps us to overcome the trials and the fires that come, that test us, the sin that so burns at us and wants us to explode. Help us, Lord, to be a people of the Word, to have the Word of Christ deeply in us, and to be filled with the Holy Spirit that we might know your will and your way. We ask and pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. My friends, will you open your hymnals and we come back to this final bit where we do the reception into membership and I uh, invite our brother Boon and Alice uh, back in again.